0: Welcome to another edition of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOT. And this week, we're going over UFC 269, headlined by a barn burner of a lightweight title scrap between Charles Oliveira going up against Dustin Poirier. And then in the co-main event, we got the women's bantamweight queen and featherweight queen we can throw in there. Uh, Amanda Nunes going up against Juliana Pena, and she's looking to further cement her legacy as one of the best women's mixed martial artists of all time. throw in cody Garben's debut at 125 pounds against kai car france and a couple other intriguing spots throughout the card this is a very entertaining card that promises to deliver hopefully once we uh close the cage door behind these guys uh come saturday night um but first as we always do let's go over the betting recap for the last event and it was ufc vegas 44 where it seemed like a complete wasteland uh for everybody that was betting on this card as there are you know uh, some upsets and a lot of um you know things that were t- kind of tough to call for the card so let's just start off with the main thing which was the lock of the night play uh all week i was saying i was getting a little bit too greedy parlaying smoke and morona here but i felt you know pretty confident in them felt the most confident about morona as i felt that minus 220 minus 230 was a great uh spot for him even with that juice there however um smoker comes out there and just whiffs it right at the beginning of the the night for us so not a good start uh very surprised that morales was able to hand Smoker. His first ever KO loss, uh, and yeah, I just really didn't see it going that way at all. Uh, so we take a four-unit loss there. Also had a one-unit parlay where both the legs ended up crashing. Had the fight go to decision from Manal Cap and Zhumagulov. You know, Kap exposes uh, the the chin of Zhumagulov that night, where you know a lot of people believed Zhumagulov had uh, enough. Um, durability to deal with the, the knockout power of kappa unfortunately that was not the case uh but either way even if that cast brendan allen goes out there and gets knocked out by chris curtis a little later in the night so either way that uh that one unit parlay was doomed from the get-go so that was a minus one unit there uh also had a one unit play on brad rodell at plus 110 i thought he was a solid spot I thought he would be able to get the better shots off but Fiziev just laid on him the entire time and then obviously got that beautiful finish at the end with that spinning wheel kick the only bright spot of the night i believe was the second fight of the night between claudio poyas and chris gritzmacher we cash on poyas at minus 108 unfortunately it was only one unit so uh makes a little bit of uh you know uh, stops the bleeding a little bit from the the rest of the night but still um, all in all minus 5.07 units on the night not a good night for the betting side of things however got to get back to the the to the to the uh, to, to the grind and and get back into the saddle here and obviously I got a lot of nasty messages here and there from you know YouTube commenters Twitter DMs all that type of shit as you would expect um, but. You know, it's not like I'm gonna let one of these comments detract me from throwing away everything that I've built with this MMA Lock of the Night brand. Uh we keep moving forward. You know, I mean there's a lot of people that depend on your boy uh weekly for, for takes and reads and all that type of stuff, and uh, you know, depend on me to do the research and do the homework, and that's exactly what I do. So uh shout out to everybody that supports your boy even through the ups and downs, specifically to the Patreon members uh that have been sticking around even through some of the cold streaks that I've been going through. Uh they trust your boys' reads, they trust everything and even though they might not make my bets bet for bet here uh you know sometimes they take uh my reads from other fights that i don't have bets on and put it up against theirs and then obviously make some bets off of that too so start to those guys with mentioning the patreon obviously i want to uh, plug that as well five bucks a month um link is in the description below it's awesome you know i mean it's only five bucks and again I, i will reiterate this i am not a patreon user or uh patreon guy strictly because i want to sell my picks on there i am on there because i put a ton of content together on a weekly basis as you guys obviously see i think i put four or five videos together on youtube alone uh to drop to the public and i do you know very much appreciate the five dollars a month that some people are chipping in strictly to support your boy on the content creation side of things which i try to push a little bit more again you can find 100 unit winners all that type of stuff but again if if you can't Make yourself like a boy, if you can't uh, connect with your fans and connect with people that are listening and watching to watching your stuff you're not really gonna get anywhere, right? I know a ton of guys out there with uh, amazing track records, but they're not able to to get any generation going for anything, you know what I mean? Like, um, I, I see them pushing their bet MMA tips and all that type of stuff, but like, it, it doesn't work out. It, it really doesn't work out. People don't really care about track records as much. And again, I track just for transparency. So if anybody ever tries to come at your boy and be like, this guy's a fraud, how is how am I a fraud? You know what I mean? Like, I, I share my bet slips, I share my track record, I do all of that stuff. I don't scare away from from losses; they end up happening. So that's that's I think the thing that really pushes people over the the edge in terms of signing up with the Patreon and being like, okay, you know, I I, I like this guy, I support this guy, and I want to continue to see him do what he's doing. Uh, and, and that's exactly what I have with the Patreon there. So shout out to everybody out there. Again, even the ones that stick through the cold streaks, I truly appreciate you guys. Five bucks a month. Link is in the description below. Secondly, CoolBet. Shout out to CoolBet. They support your boy, obviously. Uh, CoolBet.com. Use promo code MMALOTN2. That's the number two. And they will match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks. Um, And yeah, it's a a great website. Great props. You can parlay the props. Great lines as well, too. Uh, And I do make a a good chunk of my bets on that website. So make sure you guys go check out CoolBet. And obviously, you can help support your boy by using the promo code MMALOTN2. And uh, yeah check it out all right that's a wrap on the intro let's get right into the breakdown since i know that's what you guys are here for i'll see you guys on the flip side jillian robertson versus priscilla cashware we got minus 360 on robertson and plus 300 the return on priscilla cashware now it's hilarious always seeing priscilla cashware as a big underdog and people kind of know the 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 risks you're taking fading her, right? I know a lot of people that bet Gina Mazzini last time around are kicking themselves now for trusting a girl like Gina Mazzini. But again, that's how little we think of Priscilla Cachoeira, right? She's a fighter. That's all she is. I don't know if she, you can really call her a mixed martial artist. She's a fighter. She goes in there. She tries to take her head off very you know very rarely do you see her kind of engage in the clinch or the takedowns she wants to go out there and just swing bombs and try to knock your head off uh and that plays right into the game of Julian Robertson who's a who's going to be able to counter those aggressive moves by going for takedowns and I think the takedowns will be there with relative ease we saw Priscilla get taken down time and time again by Gina Mazzini unfortunately Mazzini just did not have the cardio or the gas tank to be able to go out there and uh you know put away Priscilla or even keep that up for 15 minutes and we saw her get finished in that second round jillian robertson on the other hand i do think she has good enough cardio to do something similar but i don't think she's going to need the full 15 minutes to do so i think she's the much better bjj specialist and once this fight hits the ground i think we'll see that right away you know priscilla at times does a good job in terms of getting back to her feet but i think she's going to struggle with the high level bjj that we're going to be getting from robertson on this time With that said, there are times where Robertson goes submission over position, and if she doesn't end up getting the submission, she ends up giving up the position, and that's where her opponents are able to have success. But even if Priscilla does get the reversal here, I don't know if she'll be as safe uh, on top either, right? You know, Robertson is very active off of her back, looking for armbars, looking for triangles, looking for reversals, and I think she'll be able to hit a couple here on Cachoeira. The spot that actually intrigues me the most here is the under two and a half. Obviously, there's the submission and ground and pound threat from the Robertson side, and then there's obviously the. KO threat from the Casuera side. I believe I played the under two and a half in the Santos and Jillian Robertson fight but unfortunately I was not expecting Santos to engage willingly in the grappling as much as she did which is why I believe that uh, that uh, under did not head in that fight because if I, if that fight did stay on the feet I do think that Santos had enough power to really give Robertson problems and probably get her out of there. Casuera same thing i'd be surprised here if she actually engages in the grappling uh you know looks for takedowns or just tries to grind out uh, robertson on top she's going to be looking to just knock her out on the feet and that's really about it so i like the under two and a half here uh i think it's just over even money maybe minus 140 at this point in time but i do think that robertson runs through priscilla here gets the takedown and then eventually either snatches up a neck personally i think cashware is one of those girls where if she's in a deep armbar she probably won't tap so i'm hoping that uh, robertson is okay with uh only settling for uh, chokes i mean you're gonna have to put this girl out to get her out of there and i think that robertson was will, will be successful in doing so so i like jillian robertson here and i'm gonna take her by you know what fuck it let's go first round submission randy costa versus tony kelly we got minus 180 on randy costa I'm plus 160 the return on mr kgb obviously you guys know that tony kelly is out there dating andrea lee now uh and you know, Andrew Lee had a big win a couple of weeks ago, and they're looking to parlay that into another win for him this weekend now i'm seeing a lot of confidence on the uh, randy costa side and for good reason right i think he is the better fighter overall the unfortunate thing is he just doesn't have the greatest gas tank we've seen it fail him twice now even in fights that he's having success in right he hurts guys and and stumbles them and you know more often than not he's able to finish them but when he doesn't when the fight gets into the second round he really starts to slow down you see his confidence start to dwindle and that's when his uh, opponents are really able to take control and take over the funny thing is in the uh, last fight for randy costa against Adrian Yanez. He had four minutes of solid success, dropped her raw to Adrian Yanez numerous times, but still managed to slow down. We saw a shift around that four minute mark where Adrian Yanez was really starting to push the pressure and get to Costa and Costa was really starting to succumb to it and obviously ended up finding a way out in that second round. Tony Kelly has been in an absolute barn burner against Kai Kamak in his UFC debut and that just goes to show, for me at least, that he... If he is able to deal with that early fire from Randy Costa here, he should be able to take over in the second and third rounds and possibly find that finish. Not possibly. I think more than likely he will be able to find that finish. So the way that I've kind of been looking to tackle this fight is... Uh, fight doesn't go to decision, which I think is roughly around mi- minus two twenty right now, uh minus minus two fifteen a couple places. That's the spot. That is that will be more than likely my lock. than i play, I'd be surprised if this fight goes fifteen minutes, considering Randy Costa as being the big variable in this fight uh as to why I believe the fight will not go to decision. You can also take Randy Costa round one plus one seventy five. Obviously, much better than the minus two hundred that he possesses. You could even go in on the round two because maybe he has enough success in that early second round to find that finish but he will start to gas uh tony kelly will be able to put on the pressure i've seen him put on the pressure in other fights as well and i feel like that's something that costa will succumb to so like i said randy costa round one plus 175 uh tony kelly round two plus 850 and round three plus 1000 but the play here the fight is doesn't go to decision Uh, i'm expecting costa to start him in round one but again if he somehow survives the first three and a half to four minutes of that round i think that we see kelly start to take over this fight that's why i feel like covering both ends here by taking uh the, the fight doesn't go to decision is the best way to go about this fight again you well you were getting similar odds for the fight doesn't go to decision and randy costa but there has been some money coming in on tony kelly which has brought that randy costa down a little bit more uh however um I just don't see why you would take the money line on Costa here. Take the inside the distance, right? I, I really don't see him winning rounds two and three convincingly enough for him to win a decision in this fight. So, you know, don't leave money on the table. Take Costa inside the distance if you're that confident in him um otherwise just take the fight doesn't go to decision and that's exactly what i'm going to do uh kelly obviously very good on the ground as well so i do believe he'll be looking to go for takedowns in the second round and if he can successfully complete them i do think uh, a submission will open itself up and i think we'll see kelly take that neck or limb on home but my official prediction for this fight is going to be Randy Costa. I think he's the much better striker, much quicker, much more explosive. And I think that's going to be too much for Tony Kelly early here. And we should see Costa get his hand raised with your first round knockout. Ryan Hall versus Derek Minner. We got minus 200 on Ryan Hall and plus 170 the return on Derek Minner. Now, this is a very weird fight, right? Ryan Hall is always in weird fights. But we've pretty much gotten his game plan down to a, a T now. The guy likes to go out there either go for takedowns or his MNR rolls, he's always trying to find a way to get the fight to the ground. If he's not able to, he throws a lot of unorthodox strikes on the feet to either, you know, goat his opponent to try to uh, capitalize on some of these off-balance attacks and try to take him down, or he's hoping it's enough for him to close the distance and get in on the hips and eventually get the takedown. On the flip side, for for Derek Minner, he's pretty much been a banshee, right? A lot of his fights uh, are finished inside the distance. We saw some discipline about him in that uh, in that Charles Rosa fight a couple of fights ago, um, but that was a great fight for him to stylistically go out and do that. Use his superior jujitsu, use his ability to kind of maintain that top control against the guy in Charles Rosa, who really struggles to get out from on uh, from bottom. And he was able to win uh, his first decision in a long time uh, in that fight. Then in uh, his next fight against Derek Minner, he goes back to his old self, right? He really puts it on Derek or on uh, Darren Elkins and tries to get him out there. Uh, but he gasses himself out, gives up that uh, top position in the second round after going for a poor guillotine attempt. You even see, like, they're showing the coach's corner during that instance. And you see James Charles kind of like, fuck well why did he go for the guillotine even right before or sorry right after uh James Cross was like don't go for that you're gonna give up the bottom position that's exactly what happened that's when we saw Derek El- Darren Alkins get on top get that crucifix position and really put the hurting on Derek Minner that night however I feel like if Minner stays disciplined here if he counters effectively off the weird uh unorthodox striking of Ryan Hall and uh, if he can shuck off some takedowns he could probably win this fight but I just don't know if that gas tank is 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 you know good enough i mean in the fight against charles rosa he was able to rest on top and really do good work and, and maintain that top position but here against ryan hall he's really going to get worked and uh that that gives me some concern however ryan hall is just like he's built up this myth- mystical beast image to a lot of people because of his jujitsu. but if he can't get that going then things get very very shaky for him I I I personally this this fight is too volatile for me to pick a side. I am ultimately going to go on the Derek Minner side and say that he stays away from all the unorthodox shit that Ryan Hall brings to the table here, and he goes on to win a very ugly decision victory. But I just can't put enough confidence in this fight to bite to bet on either side, even with Derek Minner as a plus one seventy dog. That gas tank is a little bit too much of an issue for me. If anything, I might take a flyer on Ryan Hall round three at plus one thousand. Um, but again very shaky to trust either guy in the spot i'm going to be going with Derek Miner by decision but i would uh, heed most people to just stay away from this fight watch this car crash or this slow car crash however it ends up playing out and and uh you know just bet on one of the other 14 fights that we have on this slate skip this one I, I i promise you guys you you'll thank me for it later but i'm gonna go Derek Miner by decision Alex Perez versus match. Now we got minus 320 on Alex Perez and plus 260 return on match. Now, now some people might be low on Alex Perez because of his last performance where he just put himself into a guillotine and got submitted by, uh, Davidson Figueiredo. Uh, however, Minus 320 seems to be a decent amount of people backing him as well and I do think that he is a trustworthy spot here against the guy in match now so Alex Perez in my opinion he has solid fight IQ right like he knew his best way to win the fight against Figueiredo was to take that fight to the ground and he wasted no time doing so getting the fight to the ground or attempting to but he did fall victim to that guillotine joke of Divis and Figueiredo a lot of people might look at that and be like come on dog how could you get your get yourself submitted in such a big spot by such a you know a rookie type of mistake however again in my opinion it was a, it was a good idea for him to take the fight to the ground because he probably would have got lit up on the feet um in the Ju- juicier formiga fight high level bjj black belt juicier formiga alex Perez decided to go out there and just calf kick him to death eventually getting that finish at the ending of that first round So good fight IQ from him there then in past fights where we've seen him have the grappling advantage over his opponents with not much to worry about in regards of the jujitsu coming back his way He takes these guys to the ground, grinds them out, finds a finish from on top, or grinds them to a decision victory. I'm expecting that Alex Perez this weekend against Matchnell. Matchnell is a solid striker. I think he's the better technical boxer out of both of the guys, but his takedown defense leaves a little bit to be desired. And although he is active off of his back at times, I do think that Perez will have tremendous success in terms of controlling him and getting some dominant positions of his own from on top and possibly even finding a finish as well, whether it's ground and pound or a submission himself. Eileen Perez, I think he is parlayable in this spot. I think he redeems himself pretty emphatically here. And, uh, you know, whether you want to take the under or even take Perez by uh, by inside the distance, I think both are good bets here because I think that we'll see Perez have tremendous success again. Dragging this fight to the ground. I like his takedowns. His entries are great. Match now, again, good striker, but I think he's not going to be able to really let that go, especially with the takedown attempts that are going to be coming his way. And uh, that's, I think we're, that's where I think we'll see Perez have uh, his success and his ability to get his hand raised here. So uh, I like Perez. I think he bounces back. I like him inside the distance as well, but I wouldn't mind just you know parlaying him at around minus 300 as I do think he is a safe enough spot this weekend. So um, I'm going to go perez Let's go second round TKO via ground and pound miranda maverick versus aaron blanchfield we got minus 130 on miranda maverick and plus 110 on aaron blanchfield now blanchfield is coming off a successful ufc debut over sarah alpar where she was able to control her over 15 minutes and was near to near a finish at the end of that fight as she was really letting go with her ground and pound now normally she or earlier in her career she was seen as a grappler she takes the fight to the ground and really implements her jiu-jitsu very effectively you know, the the only fight that she has lost was obviously to Tracy Cortez, uh, and that was a very close fight as well, uh, but we are seeing improvements in her striking game. And I feel like you can say the opposite here for uh, Miranda Maverick as well, who's had a a very solid striking game and developing a ground game as well so I can't wait to see how that plays out. I'm a little bummed that both these girls are getting matched up with each other similar to how Miranda Maverick was matched up with Macy Barber last time around but again I wouldn't be surprised if either of these women end up uh, facing each other. I'm talking about Barber, Blanchfield and Maverick. I wouldn't be surprised if we have a rematch um, with either uh, three of these women here. I'm liking the progression that we're seeing from the Blanchfield side in terms of her output, her confidence in her striking, and her ability to blend her striking with the grappling and landing takedowns on the on the back end of combinations, really catching her opponents off guard. Uh, Miranda Maverick does a very good job of that too, but it feels like she could be controlled here on the ground by Blanchfield if Blanchfield is successful at getting this fight there. Uh, we had we obviously saw Gillian Robertson have some success with that, and Robertson might be a better BJJ player than Aaron. Blanchfield but I think that Blanchfield will show solid top pressure here to be able to maintain that top control and possibly grind out Maverick in the spot I could see it going both ways though I can see Maverick implement a similar situation and uh, or a similar style and have success however I'm actually going to lean with the Aaron Blanchfield side here at slight underdog odds um, I think she's more active on the feet and I do think that will cause Miranda some problems especially when she seems to be a little more a little bit more selective with her own striking offense and then again once we get uh, Miranda Maverick strike I wouldn't be surprised to see Aaron Blanchfield look to take the fight to the ground and then really you know just capitalize on those opportunities this is a close fight but I have to lean with Aaron Blanchfield here as I do think that uh, as an overall package she has a little bit more to bring to the table and I think that could absolutely lead her to a victory this weekend Um, obviously Miranda Maverick very tough fight well not tough she won that fight against macy barber last time around unfortunately the judges saw it the other way and we saw macy barber get her hand raised that's one of those few fights where you guys if you go to mma decisions and you see the scorecards on that fight you're just like what are are these guys thinking uh everybody everybody every media member scored that fight for miranda maverick and uh yeah i'm not sure what the judges were seeing in that fight i had maverick rounds one and two is what it is judges saw it the other way uh but in regards to this fight um i it could still end up playing close um which is why i have my concerns about backing blanchfield here but uh you know if you are putting a gun to my head i have a, a decent amount of confidence that she should be able to blend her game together much better than what we're going to be seeing from maverick and i do think we see blanchfield getting her hand raised in this fight i'm going blanchfield via decision uh yeah I'm excited for this one just to see how it plays out but I am on the Blanchfield side more than likely a no bet because of how close I expect it to be but I'm going to go Blanchfield via decision as my official prediction. Andre Munez versus Eric Anders we got minus 145 on the Brazilian and plus 125 on Eric Anders who's now going to be competing from fight ready I believe now for the third camp the first two obviously being for the Darren Stewart fights we obviously know how the first one went. The second one, he was able to control that fight for about eight minutes, uh, really controlling Darren Stuart up against the cage, landing a couple of takedowns, but for the most part, really roughing him up with control time. And uh, you know, they pretty much got booed out of the yacht gun concerning how low volume and uh, you know, on, un-, un you know, not entertaining (laughs) that fight being uh, a lot of people were very disappointed with it but Eric Anders did show some good resolve in terms of not letting that get to him and really just sticking with the game plan and trying to get uh the W that night and that's exactly what he did now he has a little bit tougher of a test ahead of him in Andre Munez who's going to be looking to ground this fight and really uses Brazilian jiu-jitsu against the uh bruiser if that's what you want to call Eric Anders uh however I do believe that Eric Anders will be able to effectively Stop, takedown, stop takedowns in this fight uh, and keep this fight in the striking range where he should have uh, a bit of an advantage. Andre Muniz has been known to start to slow down in fights even when he's able to get that top control against his opponents. Uh, sometimes he goes a little bit too hard for submission over position and ends up losing the position allowing his opponent to get on top and then they're able to kind of just do their damage and do their work from on top. However I'd be surprised if Eric Anders allows this fight to actually get uh, into that uh, the jitsu realm as I do believe he does a good enough job in terms of getting back to his feet and giving uh, his opponent some issues. And that's exactly what I'm expecting this weekend when he goes up against Andre Munez. So uh i like uh anders here you know i don't think uh, even with moving over there to fight ready that he's gonna put himself in championship contention or anything like that but i think it should be enough for him to solidify him as a very solid gatekeeper to keep out the guys that don't deserve a shot in the top 10 to top five range so i'm gonna go with eric anders and i'm gonna take him to win this fight via decision Next up, we got a middleweight scrap between Bruno Silva, who's coming in at minus three fifty, and the Beverly Hills Ninja coming in at plus two seventy. And all I can say about this fight is violence. I'm expecting violence from the jump in this fight with the explosive nature of Jordan Wright. He's very fast as one hits with a lot of power, and then obviously Bruno Silva on the other end, who has a ton of power himself and a ton of knockouts to boot. Uh, I'm expecting this fight to 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 be crazy from the jump. You yeah, know, I mean, there might be a minute or two of kind of feeling each other out, but once these guys feel little bit more comfortable in there i'm truly expecting them to go out there and throw some bombs in this fight the under one and a half is actually sitting at minus 155 and i don't think that's a bad spot here considering that i think both guys have finishing capabilities although i believe it's going to be bruno silva who ends up getting his hand raised in this spot uh the fight doesn't go to decision minus 445 you can parlay that shit. I'd be surprised if that misses here. Uh the fight doesn't start round three at minus one eighty, I think is a very good spot as well, because if this doesn't finish in the first, I think most definitely you should be able to finish in the second here, considering the way that both of these guys fight. I think if there's anybody that's gonna to try to implement a grapple heavy game plan, it's probably the Jordan Wright side of things, as he does have some sneaky takedowns and decent top control if he needs it. However, I think that Bruno Silva will be able to stop some of those takedowns and get this fight back to the feet and then try to, you know, knock out Jordan Wright doing so as well. So uh, very much looking forward to seeing how this fight goes down. But one thing I feel like we can almost guarantee is the fact that this fight will not see the judges scorecards. And that's exactly where my money's going to be parlaying that fight doesn't go to decision. But in terms of an actual pick, I'm going to be going with the Bruno Silva side of things here. I do think he's a little bit more technical on the feet, and he should be able to be ready for whatever uh, Jordan Wright's throwing at him, and then he should be able to um, counter effectively and find that knockout blow. So I'm going to be going with Bruno Silva. I'll take him to win this fight via first round KO. Augusto Sakai versus Tai Tuivasa we got a pick-em fight here as both guys are coming in around that minus 110 range now I'm not big on Tai Tuivasa myself I really think that at times he is KO or bust he does have a couple decision victories under his belt but technically speaking I just don't think he's the greatest fighter um Augusto Sakai in my opinion is the better technical fighter pretty much in all facets of MMA here however considering this fight is happening at heavyweight I wouldn't be surprised if we see a knockout transpire from either side side here. However, I think for this fight to be fully in Sakai's favor, he needs to be as sharp as possible. In and out movement, land a couple of takedowns if possible, but really try to stay safe from that big power that's going to be coming from the Tuivasa side. Uh Tuivasa again, he throws, you know, heavy shots. Sometimes he throws some leg kicks as well, which is pretty gnarly as well, considering the the, the power and strength he's able to generate from his kicks. But I do think that it's something that Sakai will be well prepared for. Um Sakai is the side here. You know what I mean? Like if you want to talk about uh, complete skill, Sakai is the side. But again, at heavyweight, the margin for error is so small that if Tuivasa finds that perfect shot, he should be able to put Sakai's lights out. I know Sakai has been taken out in both of his last fights. Uh, you know, the over fight, I can attribute that more to to gassing in a five-round fight. And then obviously in the last fight against Jairzinho Rosenstreich was doing decent work until he got caught by that big power of Jairzinho strike. If you guys have been following me for a while, you guys know that I have like this heavyweight ranking uh, gauntlet in terms of knockout power. And I put Jairzinho Rosenstrake roughly around the third spot, right? You got Walt Harris, you got Jairzinho Rosenstrike, you got Derek Lewis, and then you got Francis Ngannou. Feel as though uh, Tuivasa is a little bit lower on that list, and I think that it's something that Sakai should be able to overcome here. Again, he has decent enough footwork to be able to stay out of big trouble against a guy like Tuivasa, who's a little bit slower and, and plods a little bit more. Uh, but I think if Sakai wants to play as safe as possible, let's try to drag this fight to the ground. You know, what I mean, I know it's not something that he looks to do often, but considering his recent run, I think it would be smart for him to do so. Regardless, even if this fight does stay on the feet and we don't see a knockout transpire, I gotta believe that it's. Gonna to be sakai coming away with his hand raised as i do think he has the better output of the two and then obviously the the movement and ability to nullify the amount of damage coming at him should be enough for him to get the judges uh, nod here so uh, a couple ways you could play this fight in my opinion take the sakai side uh that's kind of where my money line perspective is uh but the fight goes to decision and the overs i think is in a bad spot here you know everybody always thinks heavyweights Under's violence but i feel like the way that these guys match up similar to how uh tuivasa uh sorry uh, how sakai lined up against uh blagoy ivanov and uh, a couple other fighters i see this fight going the full 15 minutes so uh i'm gonna go augusto sakai and i'm gonna take him to win this fight via decision dominic cruz versus pedro munoz uh we got minus 120 on the brazilian and plus 100 on the dominator dominic cruz Uh, i'm looking forward to this fight a lot as i believe that there's polarizing opinions on both sides i saw somebody tweet earlier today saying that uh they've been seeing from many different analysts that this is a tailor-made fight for both guys right some people saying uh, this is a tailor made fight for Pedro, uh, considering that he should be able to effectively land leg kicks here and slow down Dominic Cruz. And then I'm seeing people on the other side with Dominic Cruz saying that you know he should be able to evade those leg kicks and dance circles around uh, Pedro Munoz here and should be able to get his game going, whether it's takedowns or striking based. And I'm on the latter side here. You know, as soon as this matchup was announced, I felt pretty convicted about uh, Dominic Cruz. And then, I, you know, given the shaky run that I've been on as of late and uh, some of the confidence that I'm, I'm seeing from guys that I really respect in the space, uh, it did kind of teeter me off of uh, going really hard on Dominic Cruz in the spot. However, taking him to win this fight by decision around plus 185, plus 200 was is a much better spot than taking him straight up in this fight because we've seen Pedro Munoz take a hellacious beating in the past and the guy continues to chug forward if Dominic Cruz is able to be the one to, to put Pedro Munoz away you know that would really put a bow on 2021 which has given us some very uh, weird outcomes and some weird results so uh, it would absolutely be a 2021 type of thing if Cruz goes out there and knocks out or even submits Pedro Munoz in this spot however I think the fight goes to decision is a decent enough spot here the overs is as well as a decent spot but i truly believe that uh, dominic cruz is the side in this fight uh you know i did talk to some people and and they believe that uh you know, the success that Suhudo was able to have against Dominic Cruz in terms of implementing leg kicks was a lot more than just throwing leg kicks out there. And uh, you know, they they set it up properly. They kind of just knew certain things that Dominic Cruz would do and would fully commit to leg kicks, knowing the leg would be there. You know, Casey Kenny landed the same amount of leg kicks that uh Henry sujudo did, but it didn't nearly have the same amount of effect or damage that Suhudo was able to produce. Now Pedro Muniz is obviously known for his leg kicking game and he should be able to affect Dominic Cruz here but I'm, sup- I'm I'm wondering if he'll be able to set up those traps that he needs to to effectively land leg kicks that are going to you know cause the, the 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 judges to actually see the fight more so in his favor uh, I feel as though Dominic Cruz with a mix of takedowns or even fainting takedowns and then his volume should be enough to actually uh, kind of decision his way to a classic dominic cruz fight you know he only has three losses on his record and people are just ready to kind of throw him to the side but like i really think that he's one of the better fighters that are out there um Yeah, I'm a a big Dominic Cruz fan in this spot. You know, only losing to prime Cody Garbrandt, Uriah Faber, obviously way back in the day, and then obviously Henry Cejudo, who's been on his own wrecking train. I feel as though uh, Cruz should be able to come back here at uh, the, I believe he's 34, 35 years old. I think he still has enough left in the tank to go out there and beat a guy like Pedro Munoz. Also, Dominic Cruz kind of strikes me as the guy that knows like, when he knows it's his time, he's probably going to hang it up because he doesn't want to further diminish or tarnish his legacy. And I feel like this is one of those fights where he felt if he truly didn't feel like he could win or or have a good enough game plan to win, he either, one, wouldn't have accepted the fight or two, he probably just would have hung it up. So I like Dominic Cruz in this spot, you know, uh, at even money or even at plus 100 now, I think is a decent spot. However just throw the money line out the window if you can bet him by decision bet him by decision even the Pedro Munoz side I you know I see an argument for betting him by decision as well but he does have that fight ending power at times if he's able to connect perfectly on his opponents and again if he's able to effectively establish those leg kicks it could cause a short night for Dominic Cruz as well but uh, I'm going to be on the Cruz side I'm hoping for a classic Cruz performance here and I think that uh, plus 180 plus 200 on his decision line is a great bet in this spot So I'm going Dominic Cruz and I'm going to take them to win this fight via decision. Josh Emmett versus Dan Ege. We got minus 165 on the Josh Emmett side of things and plus 145 the return on Dan Ege. Now, I'm very excited for this fight because this is obviously the return of Josh Emmett, who hasn't seen action since June of last year when he had that fight of the night uh, performance against uh, Shane Burgos. And that was a great fight where both guys were having tremendous success. But obviously, Josh Emmett just landing the heavier strikes throughout that fight and then obviously getting the W the way that he did. Uh, here against Dan Ige, he's going up against a very tough guy in Dan Ige who's tough to put away. You know, we've seen him go 25 minutes with Calvin Cater taking a bit of a beating. We saw him go 25 minutes with Korean Zavi taking a beating. But when he is on, he's able to really establish his striking and his power and get his opponents to really respect what's coming his way. Um, and, and that's normally how he has success. However, I say this with the utmost respect because I really respect Danny Gay, but I feel as though he's he's a bit of an overachiever, you know, winning fights he probably shouldn't have won, but when he does get into that prime spot, he ends up falling short, and I'm expecting this to be another prime spot where he ends up falling short. Sure, the year and a half layoff or close to year and a half layoff now for uh, Josh Ahmed I mean, is a little bit of a concern, but he strikes me as a guy that will be able to go out there and still implement his game plan without question. Add in the fact that he, you know, just recently news dropped about his very rough 2020 where he lost his... Uh, uh his brother sorry his older brother as well as i believe his grandfather one of his grandparents passed away and it was just very tough on him you could see even in the interview that it really impacted him and i feel as though he's one of those guys that takes that and puts it into positive reinforcement in terms of uh you know uh, motivating him to go out there and fight in their honor and fight as best as he can and I'm expecting that this weekend here against Dan Ige I think Ige will struggle with the power shots that that's going to be coming his way and I wouldn't be surprised to see Josh I, uh, you know mixing a couple takedowns either as I feel like if he can keep Dan Ige on his toes with fainting takedowns and then throwing some big shots or even actually completing takedowns um, you know even if it's not with the intention in terms of controlling Dan Ige on the ground I feel it's just good enough to keep Dan Ige thinking and then from there I think it's just going to keep him confused and then just kind of reacting to shots rather than getting his own game going so I do like Josh Emmett in this spot I know a lot of people are super confident in him uh it was interesting to see the line go from about minus 230 down to minus 160 for Josh Emmett but I think this is a more appropriate line for Josh Emmett and I do think it's going to be a good enough spot for him to go out there and get a dub so uh I'm going with Josh Emmett uh should be a fun fight for a lot as long as it lasts um i honestly think if there is a finish it probably comes from the dan Ige side as we've seen uh josh emmett get starched in the past however um you know that that was against very tough and a hard hitting jeremy stevens as well uh but i do think that josh emmett will be able to put some damage on Ige here and then win this fight via decision kicking off the main card here we have the sugar show sean o'malley going up against holly and paiva in terms of odds As you expected, minus 320 for Sean O'Malley and plus 250 the return on Holly and Paiva. Now, Paiva is coming off an upset of his own where he was able to defeat Kyler Phillips in his last fight. Albeit, you know, a lot of people scored that fight a draw considering uh, Kyler Phillips had him on skates and was close to finishing him in that first round, scoring that a 10-8. However, Paiva, Paiva was able to rally back in the second and third rounds and take home a decision victory and showed off his attrition and ability to take some damage. However given the amount of damage that he took in that fight and how cleanly Kyler Phillips was able to land those shots and drop him. I feel like this is a great matchup for Sean O'Malley to go out there and give another classic Sean O'Malley type highlight knockout. Now I know and Paiva is very difficult to put away, but I don't think he's fought somebody to the level of Sean O'Malley in terms of being able to set up knockout blows on the feet and being able to deliver on it. And that's exactly what I'm thinking we're going to see here. Now some people might step back a little bit in terms of O'Malley's knockout power since he was not able to put away a guy like Chris Moutinho. But, man, Moutinho seemed like he was made out of steel that night, taking every single shot and continue to move forward. However, there were instances where you probably could have stopped that fight earlier too, but is what it is. Chris Moutinho kind of goes out on his shield late in this fight, seconds away from going to a decision. But Sean O'Malley, uh, I do think will have just as much, if not more success here against Holly and Paiva. Now, Paiva, for a long time, I've been saying is a guy that I believe is a dark dark horse in the flyweight division. However, his body could not uh, make flyweight any longer and it seems like he's made his move up to 135 pounds where he probably will have more success. Unfortunately, stylistically speaking, horrible fight for him what you know okay I'm not gonna say horrible because if he is able to drag this fight to the ground and kind of control O'Malley there he can find tremendous success himself I just don't believe that his stand-up or his striking defense is good enough to deal with the power of O'Malley and anytime that he tries to close a distance I think O'Malley will counter effectively and kind of scare off that takedown or shuck off that takedown just off of power alone Um, but I I gotta say I, I would be I would be shitting my pants a little bit if uh, Holly and Paiva goes out there and lands takedowns at will in this first round because that minus 290 on O'Malley is not going to look good at all or I should say minus 320 on O'Malley will not look good uh the way I take this fight O'Malley by KO you know under two and a half which I think is around minus 120 minus 130 I think those are the spots to go to in this fight because uh paying that minus 290 on 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 O'Malley you could justify it i don't know it, it it is a tough fight because i do think that paiva i think that Piva is one of the tougher tests that we've seen o'malley go up against you know, what i mean over the last couple of opponents maybe you can make an argument for chito vero who obviously got his hand raised that night with an asterisk beside it but yeah the, the paiva is a tough out, but i think he will eventually succumb to that knockout power of sean o'malley um yeah I, i'm going o'malley i'm taking him to win this fight by decision um i'm I'm gonna lay off of parlaying him too heavily here but i do think he is a side and i do think he gets a knockout so f- official prediction is gonna be sean o'malley by first round knockout kai car france welcomes cody garbrandt to the flyweight division and we got minus 140 now on cody garbrandt and plus 120 the return on kai car of france now um the the main thing a lot of people are going to be looking at here well two main things here uh the weigh-in for Cody Garbrandt, how he looks at 125 pounds. We saw him at Media Day and saying, you know, flyweight fight week hits different. And it's obvious whenever a fighter is making that cut down for the first time to a new weight class. We obviously saw it with Jose Aldo. Uh, Aldo was able to master it, and now you know he's really having success making that uh, run at bantamweight. And Cody Garbrandt is hoping to uh, replicate that kind of success by going down to 125 pounds, where you know a title shot seems a little bit more open than it does at 135 pounds. Especially not to mention, you know, he, he did lose that fight to Rob Font back in uh, May, uh, which obviously put him down the ladder a little bit. But a win over Kai Kaur, France Francier could give him an immediate title shot, given his name value. And the fact that he was already scheduled to fight Davidson Figueiredo when Figueiredo was the champ a couple years uh, uh, couple. I think it was last year or maybe the year before that but he's already been in the conversation for flyweight title talks and he's never even fought at flyweight which is hilarious to me however uh i think that this is a great stylistic matchup for him if his durability can hold up he is the much better fighter by a mile against kaya car france uh you know kaya has really made his name off of being a heavy puncher knockout puncher uh the ability to land big shots and hurt his opponents and kind of you know either get the knockdown get the win by knockout or even just winning a round by knocking down his opponents otherwise you know uh there's not much else to his game you know what i mean i think that garbrandt is the much better fighter much better technical striker and i think he should be able to effectively counter uh, kai Car france anytime he tries to blitz forward and get his own striking going um i for me it's it's deciding whether i take the minus 140 plunge here on cody garbrandt who i know is the much better fighter knowing that there is a possibility that get, that he gets knocked out in this fight and if we really nitpick you know there there are some fights where we can be like is cody really chinny right like he he survived against a, a couple other big punchers in the past obviously he got knocked out by tj dillashaw he got knocked out by pedro Munoz, where he you know really just threw his game plan out the window and went out there and go, went strike for strike against a heavy hitter in Pedro Munoz and ended up coming out on the losing end I'd be surprised if he goats himself into another firefight here against Kai Car France he must have learned from his mistakes but uh you know that, that that's kind of my concern I think for Garbrand to win this fight He's more than likely gonna win it by decision, right? He needs to say stay disciplined, get in and out with his strikes, kind of replicate that Dominic Cruz performance that he had a couple of years ago, which really burst him onto the scene, right? He came he went into that fight as a pretty massive underdog, or not a massive underdog, but a, a decent underdog, because people didn't expect him to deal with that footwork of Dominic Cruz effectively, but he did. And you know, he hit him way more than any fighter was able to hit Dominic Cruz at that point in time. And I think that, again, this is an easy fight for Garbrandt if his chin is able to take some shots that are inevitably going to land here from Kaikar France. So I I do like Garbrandt a decent uh, bit here. Uh, Him by decision at plus 360, I think is a decent spot as well again, if if you do think he gets the knockout over Car France, that's a different discussion. Personally, I, I don't think he will. He does have the power in, do, in doing so, but I don't think it will bode him well in terms of overcommitting or really putting too much power on his shots. I think light, light, light footwork uh and output is his key to victory in this fight against kai Carfred. so uh, i'm gonna go with garbrandt but for me i believe i'm just gonna take a sit back and watch approach here and see how it works out for garbrandt at 125 pounds one with the weight cut two how he looks inside the cage and three obviously if he's able to take a shot down there um but if he does then i will look i will more than likely look to bet him in the future uh against favorable opponents as well so i'm going cody garbrandt and i'm going to take him to win this fight via decision Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Jeff Neo. we got minus 130 on Ponzinibbio and we got one plus 110 sorry on Jeff Neo, who's trying to get back from a two fight losing streak now and obviously we know about his DWI that he got on Thanksgiving but I don't I'm not going to put too much emphasis on that I don't think it will have too much of a a bearing on how this fight's truly going to go now this is a, a striker's delight right we got two guys that like to go out there and like to bang uh i'd say jeff Neal a little bit more technically than ponzinibbio who kind of likes to be aggressive throw some wide shots and, and really just try to break his opponent with aggressiveness and pressure and at times we've seen you know jeff neil uh not respond well to pressure most notably that neo magni fight however i think you guys are doing a massive disservice to jeff Neal, comparing the fact that neo magni was able to break uh jeff Neal with pressure compared to what santiago is going to be doing with his pressure on jeff Neal here magny is just a weird opponent right like he sometimes he just completely gets decimated in the grappling like he did against kiesa and then sometimes he goes out there and stifles the plans of a guy like jeff Neal and really just works him from the outside that's not how Nebio uh pressures right magny is just I'm going to keep throwing shots out there. I'm going to keep throwing shots no matter where from and I'm just going to stay on the outside whereas Ponzinibbio moves forward, crashes forward and throws his big hooks and bombs and tries to land effective strikes on his opponent whereas I feel that kind of plays into the game plan of Jeff Neal, right? I feel like Jeff Neal can counter effectively in this spot. You know, he has a quick straight down the middle that I feel like will be able to catch Santiago a couple of times. times. Uh, you know, Ponz does have a little bit of a striking defense issue especially when he's dealing with an effective counter striker and I think that we're going to see that here against Jeff Neil, um, I'm seeing money come in on Ponzanibio, and I'm seeing a lot of guys that I trust and and you know uh, respect uh, their opinions, and, and they're pretty decent on Santiago Ponzanibio on the spot. But I feel like that this is a bounce-back spot for Jeff. We got to give him some slack in terms of the the Neo Magny fight. V- again, very weird stylistic matchup. And even the fight before that against uh, Boy Thompson, another spot stylistically very different uh, and uh, difficult for a lot of fighters to deal with. And that's exactly what I think happened to Jeff that night. However, now he has... Um, Uh, A striker that's gonna try to fight the fire with him and try to actually you know just straight up try to box him and straight up try to try to strike with him compared to playing on the outside and being a little bit more deceptive with their movements Ponzinibbio is not going to be deceptive at all he's going to throw some leg kicks he's going to try to just stay in your face but I think that's not going to be a good thing to do especially with the guy as technical and proficient as Jeff Neal I think that we see Jeff Neal go back to form here and I wouldn't be surprised to see a knockout blow either as I do think that it is A viable option here, considering how lackadaisical at times Ponzanibio can be with the striking defense so there's two ways I'm looking to approach this fight you can either bet Neil straight at plus 210 or sorry plus 110 which I think is a decent enough spot but even a sneaky spot on him by decision at plus 525 I don't think is a bad spot as I do think that he could land the more effective strikes here and Pons you know he's shown decent durability obviously outside of that Li Jing Liang fight uh, and I do think he'll be able to take some of the shots here here from Neil but I do think that they will be impactful enough that the judges will side with the Neo side even though Neil might be on the back foot for a decent majority of this fight but again the the ace and the hole is the knockout right neil has that speed neil has that counter ability and i feel like he could either find a head kick or even just a straight down the middle that could put pansinibio on his butt and for uh neil to get his hand raised this weekend so i'm going jeff neil uh again a couple of contrarian picks compared to what i've been seeing out there recently but i feel decent about it here in jeff neil especially at these underdog odds so i'm gonna go jeff neil Ugh, uh, again tough between decision and KO in my best bets and props article I put more confidence on the decision spot but the more that I'm thinking about it now I feel like Jeff Neal will be able to find that perfect counter shot to put Santiago down here so I'm gonna go Jeff Neal and I'll take him to win this fight right, fight by second round KO time for the co-main event we have the women's bantamweight strap on the line here with amanda the lioness nuna is going up against juliana pena and uh obviously heavy chalk cards here on nuna coming in at minus 900 the flip side we got juliana pena coming in at plus 600 plain and simple does pena win this fight probably not so then it comes down to how does Nunes win this fight and at what point does she win this fight right because the total is set at one and a half and the over one and a half is sitting around minus 120 minus 140 depending on which bookie that you're looking at and if anything that's the one that I lean the most because I feel like Juliana Pena is going to be going out there and trying to implement a grapple heavy game plan that could potentially halt the plans of Nunes getting out of there getting her out of there early I feel like the clinch positions and the grappling you know It won't be like super close, but it will be enough for us to uh, stall the time here and possibly go over that seven and a half minute mark. Uh, There has been some heat been thrown uh, during the press conferences and, you know, both these women kind of just trading barbs with each other. Uh, So maybe that kind of fuels was Nunes to go and try to get Peña out of there sooner. But uh, if it doesn't pan out, then I think that this fight will probably go over one and a half you know nuna's over her last run you know she hasn't really fought too many grapple heavy fighters you know sarah mcmahon is one that obviously comes to mind uh Katzengano, who obviously got that victory over her but nobody's really been able to effectively grapple her here and that's what pena is looking to do um but i don't think she'll be able to do it successfully maybe she might have some early success but outside of that i just don't see it being um uh being sustained especially we've been seeing you know juliana pena trying to do it to jermaine Durand-Ami, and she almost got choked out well she almost got choked out by by a Vaughn flu and then she obviously got choked out by that guillotine as well where uh, she was just too desperate for a takedown there and then ultimately put herself out uh nunez should win this fight you know i'd rather take nunez inside the distance and parlay that with something rather than take the uh take her straight up obviously minus 900 doesn't really do much for your parlays um but nunez ko minus 140 i think that's going to be her path to victory here i do think that she gets gets juliana peña out there i feel like i should be more confident in it but i feel as though anytime i try to choose uh, a method of victory here for nunez she always g- goes out there and wins by the opposite way uh, i believe i took her inside the distance against spencer goes the distance i believe i took her inside the distance against uh jermaine doranamy that goes the distance you know, I, I did take her inside the distance and by submission against uh, uh, Megan Anderson as I feel like that was the easiest call of all time. Um but I think that Peña might be able to take a little bit of that early damage and be able to see the seven and a half minute mark of this fight again no super confidence here uh but if you guys are forcing me to make a bet here at decent enough odds I would rather take the over than anything uh but I'm staying away from this fight in general I might have Nunes inside the distance um you know tied to a couple of parlays but outside of that i have no interest let's see linus just go out there and do what she does and maybe we can get more favorable matchups in a a future uh more favorable odds in a future matchup than anything i'm going nunez nunez by let's say third round tko um but let's let's just watch the linus thing. i don't think we need to have money tied to this fight i'm going nunez third round ko time for the main event we got the lightweight strap on the line here between Charles Oliveira looking to defend his title for the first time up against Dustin Poirier and I can't wait for this fight as it should be a barn burner from the jump right off the jump I'm gonna say violence right Charles Oliveira fights more often than not don't see the judges scorecards I think in his entire UFC career which has spanned 28 fights 29 fights if I'm not mistaken he's only seen the judges scorecards three times And now you're putting him into 25-minute fights. I'd be surprised if it sees the scorecards again. Again, either he goes out there and kills or he goes out there on his shield. And I think he has a perfect dance partner here in Dustin Poirier to be able to uh, complete that fight doesn't go to decision spot here. Um, very tough and volatile fight to break down right we know Charles Oliveira is making strides in his striking improvement and his ability to aggressively implement that striking by staying in his opponent's face ripping elbows um, straight shots down the middle knees all that stuff the guy's getting com- more confident as his career continues to go on and it's a beautiful thing seeing it uh, improve throughout his UFC run uh, and then obviously seeing him capture that UFC goal back in May Dustin Poirier on the hand a great overall mixed martial artist uh, great boxer as well I think he's going to be the slightly better boxer in this fight but the aggressiveness of uh, Oliveira could absolutely throw uh, the technical abilities of both guys out the window in this uh, fight Uh, Charles I believe if he wants to be successful uh, he should look for the takedowns here and try to get the fight to the ground but I don't think it's uh, you know it's hundred percent that if he doesn't get the fight to the ground that he loses i think that he should be able to find that success uh no matter where this fight is but dustin poirier is a very tough out i believe this fight is very volatile man like anything can happen in this fight especially with the newfound confidence that uh, charles has been able to accrue uh during this uh i believe eight or nine fight winning streak that he's currently on uh poor again poirier is a very tough out though and he won't go down without a fight um personally i'm staying away from the uh the 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 uh the money line sides here as I feel like either guy has a very good shot of winning this fight um you know if you want to talk about odds maybe oliveira is the the value side here as i do believe it's almost a 50 50 fight however i'm just going to take the fight doesn't go to decision i know it's chalk but you there are a couple other fight doesn't go to decision spots that i spoke about previously that are more than ripe for you to go out there and actually parlay and put together so i do like uh i am going to lean with the poirier side i do think he'll stay sound enough defensively speaking and then eventually break uh charles oliveira with his striking technique and maybe even ground and pound charles right you know Know, uh, he could drop him eventually and then maybe get some big shots off from on top uh but if he knows what's best anytime charles Oliveira's back hits the ground and he's not knocked out let him back to his feet and pour it on again once again from the striking uh side of things fun fight pick the violence don't get uh burned by picking a money line here if this fight goes the distance I don't know what I'll do. You know what I mean? uh, Obviously, a lot of people are going to point to the Santos and Walker fight from a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago now, saying if that fight goes to a decision, any fight can go to a decision. But uh, I'll throw this out there. Those guys were light heavyweights, right? The longer a fight goes, the less power, less energy they're able to kind of muster up for a knockout blow. Whereas these guys at the lighter weight classes have their ability to finish fights late. Something that Dustin Poirier has done on numerous occasions as well. So yeah, uh, I like the fight doesn't go to decision. I like the fight doesn't start round five. Uh, Fight doesn't start round four. I'm expecting a Dustin Poirier finish. Let's call it second round TKO and you the diamond Dustin Poirier uh however uh, the fan in me wants to see Charles Oliveira go out there and continue this ridiculous run because I've been following him since the jump and and to see the progress and the strides that he's made in his overall MMA game is a thing of beauty to watch and again he's never in a boring fight either right that Tony Ferguson fight was a weird one being able to control Ferguson the way that he did but if he can effectively do that here against uh Poirier as well I'd be surprised I'd really be surprised um But yeah, uh, I'm going to be going with the Poirier side of things here. I think he weathers that early storm and then eventually gets uh, Charles Oliver out of there. I'm going to go Dustin Poirier and you round two TKO. And that's a wrap on the breakdowns. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you guys haven't already, please make sure you hit that like, hit that subscribe. And if you guys want to show your boy a little extra love five bucks a month on the patreon link is in the description below you get all uh access to early uh breakdowns uh best bets and props article where i go through the entire card and give you guys my best bet and best prop for it as well as a little tidbit in regards to the live betting mindset that you should have going into every single fight a great uh discord community where we just don't talk mma we talk a bunch of other shit as well including betting other sports and then uh obviously uh, a bunch of other great stuff prize picks tips i'll get posted over there as well so shout out to anybody that runs the. Prize picks, tips, and I think I will more than likely in the new year be adding some DFS content in there because that's definitely uh, a side of the industry I need to get into a little bit more. So, uh, a ton to love on the Patreon. It's only five bucks a month, does not break the bank at all. Make sure you guys check it out. That's the best way to support your boy. And then, obviously, if you guys have been watching the YouTube videos of the last two weeks, you guys see that I've been adding that cool bet sponsor logo um, uh, on the video. They've been a huge supporter of you, boy, and I truly appreciate them. Make sure you guys use promo code MMALOTN2 and they will match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks. Trust me, the main selling point of CoolBet, a lot of people like this aspect, is the fact that you can parlay props you know, a lot of people like scratching that DJ itch by putting a couple props together and trying to get a massive payout. So make sure you guys check out CoolBet. Once again, coolbet.com. Use promo code MMALOTN2 and they'll match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks. All right, we got one event left on the calendar year next week, December 18th. Uh, Derek Lewis against Chris Dacus that is the last event of the year i can't wait to break down that card for you guys and i'm hoping to drop those breakdowns shortly on the patreon uh, uh you know well in advance of me dropping it to the public as well so check out the patreon all right good luck on your bets this week and uh, i'll see you guys next week for Docus versus lewis let's get this money folks <music>